This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. This show is brought to you by Pet King Brands, the makers of Zymox and Oratine. It's Behave with Arden Moore, the show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces. They're perfectly pampered pets in Who's Walking Who in Rin Tin, Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the All-Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. You've come a long way, doggy and cat and other companion animals in just 20 short years. From being stuck in a dingy doghouse in the backyard to landing prime spots on the bed in the master bedroom. From eating table scraps to enjoying nutrition-rich cuisine. From being called an it to being the popular pick on smartphones and Facebook pages. Listeners, whether you realize it or not, all of us are in a possum pet revolution right now and here as our doggone great guide is the author of a must-get new book called pet nation the love affair that changed america please give pause and applause to the ceo of the animal policy group a real life legal beagle and the author of pet nation mark cushing hey mark welcome to the show Hey, it's a great show. Fun to be on it. Uh, and you're, everything you just said is so true about pets. That's right. Hey, folks, we're going to find out uh, why uh, Mark Cushing pointed out why Lassie may be taking the blame and how the Pope really feels about pet power and a lot more after we pay for this show by taking a commercial break. So sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a pause. Four furry ones actually sit and stay. All Behave will be right back. Hey, pet pals, Arden Moore here. Welcome to spring and summer, the onset of itchy skin and allergy season. Is your pet dealing with itchy skin, hot spots, and even ear infections? Help is here. It is Zymox shampoo and conditioner to the rescue. Not only is this a shampoo and conditioner great for general bathing and healthy skin support, but it is the go-to shampoo and conditioner for itchy pets. Its patented enzyme formula is loaded with antibacterial and antifungal properties to ease the itch and stop the scratching. And as an added bonus, Zymox shampoos and conditioners give off a lovely, pleasant non-medicine smell. For over 20 years, Zymox products have been helping pets find relief for many health conditions. All Zymox skin and ear products get their effectiveness from enzymes. Zymox contains no antibiotics and no petroleum byproducts, just the soothing power of enzymes. Zymox can be found at your veterinary clinic, most pet specialty stores, and online. To learn more, dash over to www.zymox.com. That's Z-Y-M-O-X for your pet's sake. 
Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Behave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now, back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome back to the Behave show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our special guest today is a man of many talents. He's a political strategist. He's an attorney. He's one of the founding members of Animal Policy Group and now the author of a must-get book called Pet Nation, The Love Affair That Changed America. Of course, we're talking about Mark Cushing. All right, Mark, we got a lot of ground to cover in this episode. I read the book over the weekend, and uh, bow wow, that's my first expression. What's your thoughts on, you know, you're an attorney, you do a lot of things, and you get an opportunity to write this book. It's like, oh, yeah, I can do it in my sleep. Not, right? There's a little bit of information in the book. Yeah, a little. It was a lot of fun to write. I, um, you know, the challenge was to to tell the story of basically what happened in the United States from you know 20, 25 years ago to today. And your introduction, you know, made it clear. You know, I like to say that you know not only did cats and dogs move from the backyard inside to the bedroom, but dogs went right out the front door to every corner of America. And you can't go anyplace now, whether it's a plane, a train outside a restaurant, a store, anywhere, and not see a dog. And it's it's something that 25 years ago, I don't think we could have imagined. And now we right. couldn't imagine not doing it. So it's a lot of fun. It was a good story. And let's get a little bit of background on your uh, 411, because you have some uh, four-legged muses, right, in your home? Go ahead and share a little bit about them. You bet. have uh, two cats that were from the same litter, uh, Oscar and Chloe. Oscar's kind of the class clown, and Chloe's like a Upper East Side Manhattan princess. They're typical cats in that they look at people as staff. You know, we're here to take care of their needs, and when they're done with us, they're done with us. Then we have a uh, eight-month-old Papillon puppy named oh. Louis. My wife named him for Louis Vuitton. I think he thinks he's King Louis, and he's a uh, he's a piece of work. We live Arden in Paradise Valley, Arizona, next to Scottsdale, and this elegant little. Papillon's favorite thing now is chasing desert lizards and actually, unfortunately, catching them. He's uh-oh, leaving <laughs> lizards. Talk about leaving lizards. Well, yeah, and you've got an eight-month-old, so we usually, I, I affectionately call the first year you have with a puppy or a kitten the wonder year because you wonder where your sanity went. I'm assuming that's the case right now. Well, you know, it is, but we were smart, as a lot of your listeners are, I'm sure, and we had a trainer. Ironically, he was, uh, he'd spent years training and, and raising and even breeding big dogs, and he fell in love with Louie. In fact, he, he one time he said, can I just sort of take him home for four or five days and really speed up the training? And uh, it was fun to watch, but uh, yes, he's, he's a puppy. We'll just say that. He's a puppy right now. All right. So there's nine big chapters in this book, folks, and I want to hit some of the highlights but I first want to find out because I've authored a number of books myself. And when you get a chance to author a book and it sounds exciting, but then there's that, uh-oh kind of situation. So can you give us a little backstory on how you got approached and why did you say yes? Cause it's a real revolutionary book. Well, it's interesting. My brother in Manhattan knew a very successful nonfiction agent named Kitty Cowles. I'll give Kitty a shout out. She's got a good name for a pet book. Oh, yeah. Kitty Cowles. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she knew that some major publishers, and we were 
you know, fortunate to land with Penguin Random House, ultimately, wanted the story told uh, kind of from the inside about what I call the transformation of pets in American society, which really was a cultural and social change for the U.S., not just pets getting a better deal than they had 20 years ago. So they wanted that story, and she knew my work, and it led, as you know, to a lot of work two years ago to outline and really think through the topic and covering it fairly but comprehensively. And uh, it was like boot camp for that summer of uh, 2018. And then I got a you know very cool phone call from Penguin Random House that September saying, we want to do the book. And uh, we went to work, finished it in a year's time. And uh, it comes on, as you know, September 8th. It's out audio, digital, and hardcover form. That's right. That's right. And with this book, Mark, and first, before we get into some of this, people are going to be, what the heck is an animal policy group? <laughs> well, <laughs> and I want people to go to animalpolicygroup.org after the show, of course. They sure can. Well, it's groups, so it's more than just me, you know, and I'll tell you something, Arden, I'm so lucky in 2020 to have the clients I have. I work in the field of pet, healthcare, animal welfare related to pets, veterinary school accreditation, and so an industry related to everything to do with pets from nutrition, companies like Royal Canin, pharmaceuticals like Zoetis, the largest animal pharmaceutical company, all the Mars practices, and a host of other groups like that. And all the issues they have with states, with governments, uh, with policies, they come to me. And that's, that's my job and my team's job. I have a, a group of seven. We're spread out all over, uh, over the West we're a virtual company even before COVID-19. And uh, we work 24 seven uh, every day of the year tracking anything happening related to pets and animal health and welfare around the country. And then we get involved when we need to, to make sure good things happen and bad things don't happen. Well, I think this is pretty remarkable for a guy who says he majored in medieval and Renaissance <laughs> history at Stanford. And now you're talking about pets, as you said in your book, are once invisible. Now they're the social glue. Your parents probably were like, Mark, why are you majoring in medieval Renaissance history? Now, who's laughing now, huh? You know, it's funny. I, I know my dad wondered, but I, I said, look at dad, I, I'll go to law school and be a lawyer someday, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, I don't know something. It turns out, you, you'll laugh, in doing jury trials for the first 12 years of my career, I always found a way to weave in how juries started in medieval England, and I saw the juries kind of perk up a bit. So there's a little bit more interest. Game of Thrones proved that, right? I mean, people, Hi. if it's done right, people enjoy history. But uh, it is funny that uh, at an age, uh, in fact, I was a freshman at Stanford the year they introduced a computer science major right in the heart of, you know, the start of Silicon Valley. And I remember yeah. thinking, who'd major in that? So who was the smart one there, right? But uh, it's been fun. Somehow it's been useful for me. Well, you point out in your book, Pet Nation, that, that what do you mean that pets once invisible have become social glue? I like that. And I know you've got some case studies because you're an attorney, but can you kind yeah. of briefly summarize what does that mean, social glue? Yeah, and I think if you think back to, you know, say 25, 30 years ago, pets weren't accessories, but they it just, they weren't that visible. They were sort of part of life, but nothing like they are today. Now, there's a great term called social capital. And there's been studies in Portland, Nashville, San Diego, and in Australia in the city called Perth on the western end of that country of what makes communities work, what breaks down trust issues, fear issues, loneliness issues, how does people get to know each other, and nothing had as big an impact. And these are peer-reviewed scientific studies. Nothing had as big an impact, Arden, as pets. 
as simple as that. And I start the book with a simple idea that two people meet in the park with dogs on a leash and they don't ask each other, where do you live? How much money do you make? Who's your favorite football team? Anything like that. It's basically, what's her name? What kind mm-hmm. of is that? Tell me about that. And, and 25 minutes later, they know everything about each other's dogs and they're friends. And it's a type of friendship you'd never have if they just walked in a park. As you know, you'd maybe look away or you might greet and nod your head, but that's about it. So pets end up becoming this fabric, living fabric that connects people of all kinds. They come to your house, you know, people take your cat and suddenly you haven't seen your cat in 10 minutes because they're just engaged with it. They're in a better mood. As you know, oxytocin goes up, the part of you that makes your brain feel better. Right. Cortisol, cortisol goes, goes down. It's proven. And that's it's not that this, the discovery of that changed America, but the discussion of it became so common and people started to think, you know what? You might just need a dog. You might just need a puppy in your life. And yeah. now we, we've seen that both make communities better and just make individuals feel better, you know, whether they're in good shape or bad shape. Pets, what I call, or I like to say, is the cheapest medicine we have in the country. And, and we don't. <laughs> we need more pets. I mean, you you saw in my book, when, and I'm sure some folks will say, good God. But the truth is, I think we had to double the number of pets in America um, because they're that powerful. And I don't know why you wouldn't want to do that. I don't think we make everybody own a pet. If you don't want a pet, that's up to you. But make them available. Make sure we have enough dogs and cats and other pets so uh, people can experience it. Well, in the book, too, I love that you refer to Temple Grandin and you say animals make us human. But you have a line here. I love it. Dogs and cats didn't conspire or do any plots, wage battles or dethrone a king. It's an accidental revolution. And it doesn't matter if you're Joe Lunchbach or, or Bill Gates, right? right? Everybody from different brackets are getting the power of the paw. What I like to say is this. It wasn't like dogs formed a union. And demand <laughs> the yeah. right to live inside. And oh, by the way, now we're here. Can we sleep on your bed? And oh, by the way, can we have designer dog food? People just did it for them. Dogs still chase balls and cats chase string, right? I mean, right. pets haven't really changed. People changed. I mean, Americans and now 65% of all households have pets of some sort. Americans changed. And, they, and as I say, they just let them come in and take over the house and become, you know, the, sit on the throne, if you will. And the dogs and cats just smiled and went, okay, <laughs> we're loving it, you know, keep doing it. But uh, what an interesting transformation. And it happened in rural America, urban America, 20-story apartment buildings, farms, east, south, northwest. It wasn't like one little part of the country got the joke one day and started to love their dog or cats more. It was almost as if it happened on a switch. And that's what fascinates me. And I spend a lot of time in the book, as you know, trying to figure out how that happened. And you mentioned Lassie. Yeah, Uh, that's perfect. Because in chapter two, you have a whole section called how pets went viral. So you said you might blame it on Lassie. What do you mean? Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I remember growing up, hate to admit my age here, but Sunday nights, everything stopped and you watched Lassie and everybody watched Lassie. And Lassie was a story to your listeners that may not know this. The author actually knew was a friend of Charles Dickens. I mean, that's how long ago it was written, you know, in the 1800s. But uh, this story of this amazing collie who always rescued Timmy and just did good things and everything went better when Lassie came around. And it began with Ren 1010 and then one after another example, and then it turned into cartoons about pets. And we began to see pets actually everywhere, but not necessarily in your home. 
And I think it began this process of kids saying to their parents, and I remember this, hey, Dad, can we get a puppy? And sometimes they'd say, no, we, we don't have enough money for a puppy or we don't have room for a puppy. But then it began to change. And I think I think the commercial, the TV, the cartoons, all those added up to the presence of this fun, interesting, inspiring four-legged creature, often a dog, sometimes a cat, occasionally, you know, a pig, if you will. Right. Yep. And, and then. <laughs> Then along came laptops and ultimately smartphones, and we became our own film directors, right? Your audience knows this better than anybody. I mean, you can't open up Facebook and not have 10 viral films or videos of what a cute cat did or a funny dog did, and you'll always watch them. They're not your dog, but you're watching it like, my God, you know, my dog does that too. i got to show you this. And that, I think, began to be the common element. And it wasn't something you had to have a lot of money to enjoy. You just literally just had to have a pet and a phone and it took off. Then it couldn't be stopped. And that's the thing I think is so cool is that pets aren't a fad. This isn't hula hoops or beanie babies. People aren't going backwards now. In fact, millennials that grew up in households that had a pet, they own more pets than anybody in America. And the Generation Z right behind them, and I've got four millennials and one Generation Z child, they're having two dogs. They want three cats. I mean, they're not stopping. So our challenge is going to be to keep up with it, frankly, and to have enough veterinarians and enough you know, providers and, and service and trainers and everyone you need, uh, which is great news to have that problem, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. And with that, too, you talk about in a chapter three, the whole damn country has run amok. And <laughs> I want you to come back to your hometown in McMillville, Oregon. And what was the sign on the Atlas Bakery back yeah. in 1967 when you weren't even born? I'm just teasing. It's McMinnville, Oregon. It was named after <laughs> McMinnville, Tennessee. And neither were places anybody's ever heard of. But uh, yes, Atlas Bakery, I mean, big, bold sign, no dogs allowed. And uh, it's funny, if, if you think about it, that was almost a sign that was could have been put anywhere in America. Right. And we're nearing the point where you may never see a no pets allowed sign because pets have permeated so much of the workplace. And there was a remarkable study done by a good friend, Carrie O'Hara, for Nationwide Pet five years ago. And she studied, you know, pets in the workplace. And here's the thing she found out, Art. Again, people say that can't be true. People who don't own dogs like their company more. They like their boss more. They want to stay longer at a company that's dog friendly. So really? walking in and seeing somebody else's dog lying on a mat, because that's what they do in, com- in workplaces. They sleep because that's what dogs like to do all day. It makes the entire atmosphere just not only more relaxed, but people feel more loyal to the company. And you've seen that now in so many places. You know, you still can't have a dog inside of a kitchen or a restaurant. That's a public health issue. But and my favorite example are hotels. Now, in COVID, it's a rough time to be in the hotel business. So I don't want to make right. it. But I don't think any part of American culture has changed faster than hotels becoming pet friendly. And, and actually, you have to work pretty hard to find a town where you can't find a place to sleep that'll take your pet. And it's remarkable because I would have thought back 20 years, if I showed up at a Four Seasons and said, meet my dog, Louie, they'd be like, really? And, and where are you camping out tonight? Because you're not, you're not staying here. And well, now- I think, uh, you know, I just saw uh, something that you probably are aware of. I'm finally trying to take a vacay, safe vacay since COVID. And my spouse and I went on a vacation rental by owner and we put in, you know, two people and pets. And I've been finding out that people are seeing that these vacation rentals, if you have certain policies in place, it's like 25% of them, you stand uh, 
like a great Dane above, uh, pardon the pun, the Pomeranian or Papillon by offering the ability to bring your well-mannered dog to a vacay like that. So I think you've got something there, Mark. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I, I use the example. We tested it in Cairo, Egypt. We don't really think of Cairo, Egypt probably as dog friendly. Maybe that's not fair. From the most expensive hotels to the cheapest, there are pet friendly hotels all over Cairo. And I thought, good God, if that, that's the truth in Cairo. So yes, it's it, it's become, uh, actually, if you want to have a successful VRBO, you better take pets because you're going to screen out an awful lot of good customers that, that, that want to bring their pet and plan to bring their pet. That's right. Hey, everybody, we're speaking with Mark Cushing. He is the author of a new book. It's already available. You can uh, order it. It's called Pet Nation, The Love Affair That Changed America. And when we come back after this commercial break, we're going to see what he thinks about the Pope. Uh-oh. Everybody pray for Mark. We'll be right back. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages. Hey, pause up, everyone. This is Arden Moore, your host on the Behave Show. I am so happy to yap about a new product my dog Kona got. It's called Pet Treater. Pet Treater? What's Pet Treater? It's a gift box. And it has lots of cool things like interactive toys and all-natural treats and yummy, yummy, yummy other surprises. Kona is my terrier mix, as you guys know. I call her Ice Cream Kona. And when that box came, she was just tail wagging and grinning from ear to ear. And it isn't just for dogs. If you got a cat or other kinds of pets roaming around your house, please check out Pet Treater because they'll tailor make a box for your pet. And they take into things like, uh, does your dog or cat have any allergies? Is it a big dog or is it a little dog? So all it costs is a subscription starting as low as $15. And you and your cool pets will get to unbox new surprises month after month. And if you're good with the camera and you're proud of your pet, you can also connect with other animal lovers on the Pet Treater site. How easy. Just go to PetTreater.com. This is important. Use the coupon code OBEHAVE. And guess what? You're going to get 50% off the first month of your subscription. Go to PetTreater.com and use the coupon code OBEHAVE and you're going to save ka-ching! Well, that's it for me. Kona's looking at me in the Pet Treater box. She wants to dive into some of these goodies. Pause up. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Rachel Ray. You're listening to OB Hate with Arden Moore on Pet Life Radio. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper, and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to OB Hate. Here's Arden. Welcome back to the OB Hate Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our special guest today is the one and only Mark Cushing Hiss. He's a legal beagle. Hope you don't mind me calling you. Sounds more fun than an attorney or lawyer, right? You bet. And he's one of the founding members of Animal Policy Group. But way back in the in his book, I think it's, uh, I've got to check my notes so you can tell I'm an ex-newspaper reporter. In the final chapter of nine, you talk about Pope Francis. All right, everybody, <laughs> pray for Mark Cushing. What the heck is the point about the Pope? 
Okay, and I have to say, my mother, who's uh, in heaven today, I hope, uh, was <laughs> devout Irish Catholic and had it had the Time magazine cover of Pope Francis I on her coffee table in her assisted living until the day she passed away. And she is up there right now just sweating. But here's the interesting thing. Now, we all know he picked the name Francis from uh, St. Francis of Assisi. And St. Francis of Assisi, of course, is the patron saint of animals. You would think he would have checked that out, but uh, he gave a sermon and then he gave an interview a few years back to an Argentinian journalist. He's from Buenos Aires. And he was listening kind of the problems in the world. And one of them was people liked their pets too much. People spent too much time with their pets. People spent too much money buying things for their pets. And he had this, in my view, absurd theory that if you love a pet, it takes away your ability to love a human and be nice to another human being. And he was basically saying that's a problem. Well, it's actually the opposite. Pets bring out the best in people. There are people that are able to be friendly with their neighbors only because of pets. And so I, my mom, I know she's like, Mark, did you have to, it was a long book. Did you have to do this one? But I I thought (laughs) what an interesting fact. And, and he has this theory too, that, that pets cause people sometimes not to have children. And and I challenged that. And I just, there's flat out no proof that people don't have children or couples don't because they have a pet. People may choose to have a pet first, right? You know, a lot of people do that. Some have a baby first. Some have them at the same time. But the idea that one causes the other, no. But he was trying to push that idea pretty hard because he said, then you're going to be lonely at the end of your life. And I thought, really now? So I, I spend three or four pages, but I use it as a way to just illustrate that it's easy for a powerful figure like that to have so much impact. And, and uh, you know, maybe he'll read the book. I'm sure uh, it'll be an Italian version of it, I hope. Maybe we can have a discussion sometime. But it honestly, the argument just doesn't make sense. And I thought people might enjoy hearing what he had to say about it. Well, I think we might be praying for the Pope then, whether, whatever your spiritual background or, or desire is. I, I think I'll do that. How's that? Well, and I think as you read, I said, let's get him a corgi. You yeah. Know? Get on the get on the rug and start playing with a corgi and and because uh, he calls it programmed or automatic love with a pet and I thought there's nothing automatic and programmed about no. it. Pets are unpredictable. No. <laughs> Just when you think you know your dog or cat, they do something that you've never seen before. So, but uh, we'll see. Maybe he'll he'll change his tune. Well, I have a cool 95 year old friend that I've had a friendship with for over 20 years, and she has not one but two little miniature schnauzers. And the fabulous flow from of Oceanside, California, after her husband passed away about 15 years ago, she says they saved her. And uh, she loves these guys. I mean, she has a great family, kids, grandkids, great grandkids, but her world is surrounded by her two schnauzers. So, yeah. and isn't she's that, religious. Isn't that a great story? You know, and there's a, there's a commercial side of it too that I like to point out. I didn't, the book was already being published before I saw this, but I remember last Christmas and Hyundai came out with a, a car commercial. And they had four silver Hyundais from the tallest, largest model to the smallest lined up. And in front of each one, they had four silver colored dogs. Again, the tallest to the smallest in front of them. I'm guaranteeing you, Arden, what do you think people looked at in that commercial? They looked at the dogs. And you know who knew they would do that? Hyundai did. They didn't even tell you about the models. It wasn't even about what's that model and what's this model. It was, look at that. What is that dog? What is she over here? And that little secret that Subaru and Nissan have known for 20 years They just knew that if you put a dog in a car, people bought the car. 
And that sounds funny. People will say, oh, but you know what? Their sales went up and they have entire ads where they never mentioned the model of the car, the engine, the performance, anything. That's right. Well, it's kind of like, I think, the the dogs in the Subaru commercial, the Goldens that are with the little Goldens in the back. I think they're giving people like insurance companies, like the flow from Progressive or whatever, a run for their money. Oh, yeah. No no question. It's it's hard to watch any television and in the course of half an hour not see two or three ads that have a pet in them. And if you think that I'm kidding, test it tonight. Everybody take a look and then let Arden know if I'm wrong. The truth is people put pets, but mainly dogs in commercials just because people love to see them. They feel better when they look at them. So it's uh, we're onto something, obviously. And that's that's why I called it Pet Nation, because it's a whole cultural change and, and uh, it, it's not going to stop. Well, you talked about feeling the feel. Let's go shift a little bit to tele medicine with veterinarians and some new possible vaccines that may be able to have people that are sneeze because they're allergic to cats may be able to have a cat. Well, it's interesting. Uh, You have a cat product now that the saliva is what affects it. So if you can address that, you know, wouldn't that be great? Because we all have friends that come over and, and, and sadly, you know, they just really can't be comfortable sitting next to a cat inside. They can be outside. So that's changing. There's a lot of money and time being spent on that research. And those products are out there and they're going to get better pretty quickly, I think. The telemedicine piece is, you know, human medicine for 30 years has discovered the use of the computer and TV and and smartphones, particularly for folks that live in rural America that just can't drive 10 minutes to a doctor. And why should it be any different for veterinarians? And, And veterinarians were slow to this, Arden. Part of it was, hey, I don't like technology. Don't make me learn something. Life's complicated enough. And COVID in particular has flipped this on its head. And I actually helped organize the new Veterinary Virtual Care Association, the first national group focused on telemedicine and all those tools that allow people, particularly if you're uh, in a maybe seven floor apartment and you might live alone and you have a small dog, you know, the, the effort it takes, get the dog in a crate, go down seven floors. Let's say you don't own a car. I mean, how are you really going to get to the vet? The answer is you aren't going. And about 40% of America's pets don't see veterinarians. So it's the easiest thing. And the barriers are breaking down. That's the good news. Lots of companies in there with lots of new devices and how to do it and make it easy. And veterinarians are finding out it's fun. Mainly what it does for people, and your listeners probably have tried it, you can call a vet and say, let me just talk to you about something. I've been watching my dog. I'm home during COVID and I didn't notice this. Is this a problem? And they can talk to you, walk you through it almost every time. And you don't have to get in your car. Go to right. the, And if you're not comfortable being around a lot of people right now, isn't it great that we're using it? So it's COVID's had some good effects, as rough as it's been on everybody. It's had some good effects. And that's one of them. You know, when you talk about that, you think about it. The pet, when they're sometimes in a vet clinic or they're, I call it with the cats, the three C's of terror, car, clinic, and carrier. Here's the cat, you know, probably grooming himself on your kitchen island. And the vet can see the cat in his own environment. There's not a stress marker going on. So it sounds like some advantages of telemedicine is that you get to see your dog or cat, the vet does, in their own environment and be able to maybe make a better call. 100%. And vets will tell you that. And we also have devices now that are not expensive that can do blood pressure, temperature, monitor activity so that your veterinarian can actually see a lot of information about your pet the way they do about you when they look at your blood workup before a physical. 
you know, you right. they get all that data. Uh, my wife teaches at Mayo Clinic Medical School here in uh, Scottsdale, and I did my annual physical at Mayo two weeks ago by telemedicine. Really? And, and, yeah, and the doctor had all of the data for four years of, of you know, treating me and taking care of me. On the screen, he shared it with me. It was like going to med school. I mean, he told me wow. I was doing good and bad, and, and, um, and I think he was even more comfortable doing it that way than if I'd been in his office looking over his shoulder at his computer. So in a weird way, it was actually more conversational and comfortable, and I enjoyed it. So I'd be no different about my two cats or a dog, if that made sense. Sure, you go in for vaccines. Of course, you go in for surgery. If it's a spay or neuter, you, I mean, of course. But that's telemedicine doesn't keep people out. What we found is that more people go to the veterinarian because of telemedicine, because they've had a good conversation, and they understand why that may be an important step to get in the car and, and get to the clinic. So it's, again, not, not something that's going to be slowed down or stopped. It's People are going to continue to use it and enjoy it. So I guess you're saying, Oscar, Chloe, and Louie, it's a fine time to be a pet in the Cushing household. You know, it's a good, good life to be in my house with Natalie and myself. It's a good deal. They, uh, Chloe, unfortunately, has one desire in life. She's the uh, princess cat. She wants to be outside and living free, she thinks, not knowing of the bobcats, coyotes, hawks, javelinas, and all sorts of creatures in the desert. So she just stares out the window forlornly, like, why am I in this prison? You know, it's too funny. I think, yeah, you've got a good life. But um, yes, we, we, we have a lot of fun with them and can't imagine not having them. So I want everybody to check out animalpolicygroup.org, but you have a Facebook page, don't you? Is yeah. there any social media you want to do a shout out to? Yeah, you bet. Happy. It's um, Mark L. Cushing. I think it's MarkLCushing.com, and that's the author page. You can go to that and animalpolicygroup.org. And I think if you went to .com, you'd get it too. You can see yep. the rest of my team. And yeah, you bet. There's uh, We try not to hide anything. So you know what you're getting <laughs> when you deal with me. What's a final gem you want to give our listeners who are doggone happy that you've been a guest on our show? I'm going to even say it, it's going to get worse. You've been miaveless. How's that? Did I do it? Are you groaning yet? Okay. I think if you get the book, and I sure hope you do, and you can get it in audio or digital form too if you want, but take a look at chapter eight, even if you've only had cats and dogs in your life, because okay. it's called The Other Pets. And it pretty much tells the story from A to Z of everything else that people call a pet in this country. And you'll be surprised and you'll laugh. And it starts out with a powerful story about a, a specialist that took care of a 19-foot reticulated python where the owners drove from Texas to Los Angeles to save this python's life on Christmas because the uh, specialist was in L.A. And if you didn't think that you could fall in love with a pet like a python you will when you read it but so i'll leave it with that but it's great congratulations to you on a great great show and i'm just honored honestly to, to have done something that got your attention so uh, appreciate the time well i'm definitely going to be uh, talking up uh, pet nation to all my pet pals everybody let's give a warm thank you to mark cushing the author of pet nation the love affair that changed america I also want to give a shout out to the other Mark behind the scenes, the Wizard of Paws, of course, our executive producer, Mark Winner of Pet Life Radio. Hey, folks, check out Ardenmore.com. Go to my Facebook page. So glad my mom gave me a weird first name. And so until next time, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. I guess I'm going to have to add some legs after talking to Mark Cushing. <laughs> oh, behave. 
coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.